This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Good morning. Great to be with you guys. This is kind of overwhelming for me. We haven't been in a worship gathering with all of God's people together, this, these kind of numbers in a year and a half. I think the last time was here before we went back to Asia. So this is just a wonderful gift from God. Um, let me start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are present here in your promise that wherever two or three are gathered in your name, you are there with them. Thank you so much for the peace that you have given us through your promises, through the marvelous grace you've shown us as Oliver was baptized today, for the joy of seeing one another and sharing in God's grace together. Lord, bless us um, through this message. Uh, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. God, our rock and our redeemer. It's in Christ's name that we pray, amen. When I was a preschooler, my parents built a new home in northeastern Illinois. And while they were digging out the foundation, digging out the basement, the builders uncovered this enormous rock. It's the size of a yoga ball and about a thousand times heavier. I mean, it's impossible to move without a backhoe. They put it on the corner of the property. I don't think there's a mountain or even a rocky formation within 100 miles of northeastern Illinois. I mean, it's difficult to find even a a real hill. Some of you have been to Wilmot Mountain (laughs) where skiers who are desperate for anything with a slope in the Midwest go during the winter and they tolerate it. And yet our yard had this rock. We would play king of the hill on that rock Who played King of the Hill when they were growing up? Anybody? Okay, who invented that game? (laughs) It was not the scrawny kids like us. It was this like really beefy big kid, and he's like, you know what, that'd just be a great game if I could stand up on a rock and shove little kids around. (laughs) And then when they broke their arm and the mom came running out like, what's going on? They just say, it's the game, you know, it's... King of the Hill, and the mom's like, oh yeah, King of the Hill. All right, let's go to the emergency room. (laughs) I used to stand on that rock and look wistfully into the distance, kind of like Luke Skywalker pining after adventure far beyond Uncle Owen's dusty farm. We used to play uh, touch football right around there. Wouldn't that be great if in the NFL they started putting giant rocks in the middle of the field? So I'd run a post around that and hope that the guy guarding me would actually trip over it so that I could catch the winning pass and run into the neighbor's driveway, which was the end zone. That rock is still there 45 years later. I guess that the people, when they bought the house, they figured the the rock came with the house, so they never bothered with it. Okay, there's a rock here. My brother visited there a couple of years ago. I thought he would snap pictures of the house maybe the neighborhood, but instead he had his son stand on that rock, snap the photo there, because so many memories come from that rock. When I asked my dad about it, this is what he wrote to me. When we were digging the hole for our basement, the rock was there. I had it placed in the front right corner of our property. 
I have often thought of it as the foundation our house was built on. The Lord had guided us there and still guides our family today. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So that ugly hunk of rock is a touchstone for my family. Have you ever noticed how certain objects, places, and smells are touchstones for you? So you come across an old Christmas ornament while you're cleaning out your closet, and suddenly and unexpectedly tears fill your eyes. Like, what is going on? Or you drive past your old high school and all of a sudden all these emotions start bombarding your brain. You know, the feelings like triumph and shame and confusion and peer pressure and joy and all these different things. Maybe you're in the grocery store. You catch a whiff of some perfume and all of a sudden you're in grade school again and your mom is giving you a hug. Now, not all touchstones give you warm fuzzies, do they? A couple of weeks ago, I was in an online Zoom meeting looking at the thumbnails of 40 different participants. My eye came across one thumbnail of one guy and immediately this flood of emotions bombarded me It felt to me like my stomach was clenching up as if someone had woken me up at two in the morning, dragged me out of bed, and made me run a mile. One thumbnail of one guy dragged me back into this whirlpool of painful conversations I had had with him. So maybe you've had some touchstones like this. Pain, failure, shame, those kinds of things. And it just kind of comes rushing back in on you. Uh, Maybe it's the corner of a street. Maybe it's an uncle. Maybe it's the dusty smell of the chalkboard. Maybe it's music from the holidays. And as that happens, all these emotions come running in. A lot of times, a big one of them is shame. And you're just sort of overwhelmed. Sometimes you maybe even have like this overwhelming desire to run or scream or hide. And maybe those triggers are associated with the same kinds of sayings every time. Like, I'm, I'm a failure. I always mess this up. No one notices me. I was way better off before I trusted in God. These kinds of things. So today, in our reading, I want to show you a touchstone that God gave to his people so that when you, you experience these very negative touchstones, these triggers, you have something to turn to to fill you up with hope again. We're going to do that by looking at 1 Samuel chapter 7. Um, I'll start in the second half of verse 2, and then we'll read for, through verse 13. Then all the people of Israel turned back to the Lord. So Samuel said to all the Israelites, If you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts... Then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their Baals and Ashtoreths and served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Assemble all Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. When they, they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day they fasted, and there they confessed, we have sinned against the Lord. Now Samuel was serving as leader of Israel at Mizpah. 
When the Philistines heard that, the Israel, that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them all the way uh, to a point below beth Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they stopped invading Israel's territory. Throughout Samuel's lifetime, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. After decades of turmoil and suffering brought about by disobedience and by hypocrisy, God's Old Testament people finally had enough, they finally turned to the Lord in repentance. And as they turned to the Lord, they finally threw away their idols of wood and stone. They recommitted themselves. And so Samuel initiated this service of repentance and renewal so the people could recommit themselves to the Lord and they could be reminded, most of all, of God's unfailing love for them. But wouldn't you know it, their longtime enemies, the Philistines, saw this as a wonderful opportunity to cause more trouble. And so they ambushed the people in the midst of their worship with their weapons left behind at home. Isn't that just like Satan? The moment that you experience a little bit of peace, a minute of true rest in the gospel, a micron of unexpected blessings, Satan immediately ambushes you. And he tries to transform that joy into pain, into regret, into shame, into division between you and others. He tries to douse that little spark of hope with the shadow of hell before it becomes a flame. This was a tenuous time for God's people. They were just walking back into the light after decades in the darkness, all of these forces beckoned them to return to the shadow. And to their credit, they held on to God. They said to Samuel, do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us that he may rescue us. And God did rescue them in a marvelous, even very stylish way. He sent thunder to throw their enemies into a panic. And God's weaponless, unprepared people defeated a hardened army without any weapons because God fought for them. That's why Samuel set up that stone and called it Ebenezer, which literally means the stone of help. It was a way to memorialize that day, to remind God's people for years to come that God's love for them would never fail. So whenever they were surrounded by enemies, whenever they were coming back after they had rebelled against God, whenever they were uncertain about God's incredible love for them, they could touch this immovable stone and be reminded of God's faithful love. 
So here's my question for you. What touchstones has God given us? When you are experiencing a painful flashback, a stressful present, or a very grim-looking future, how do you know God will help you? How do you know that he will protect you, that he will forgive you, that he will love you, that he will accept you, that he will carry you through? Now, maybe like me, you wish that God would thunder in a miraculous way like he did for his Old Testament people. I mean, when you are feeling lonely and vulnerable and isolated like a brittle brown leaf on a late October oak, a sign from God would do very nicely, right? But I can tell you from some experience that the glow of signs, wonders, and miracles fade very quickly in morning realities. You start thinking to yourself, was that really a sign or did I just make that up? Did I just imagine that? We need more than good feelings. We need more than miraculous signs. We need touchstones. And that's exactly what God has given us. He's given us them in baptism, as we just saw today, in Holy Supper, which we're going to take together later. Have you ever thought it a little bit strange that in church we pour water, ordinary water, it comes out of the tap, on a baby's head, and we eat these slightly tasteless wafers every couple of weeks? Doesn't that strike you as odd? What are we doing drinking wine in church? God has already told you, and you already heard it today, that your sins are all forgiven, that God's love for you is unfailing. So why all the other fuss? What's with the water? What's with the bread? What's with the wine? These are touchstones. Every time water is poured on the head of that fidgety little guy in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, God is telling those nervous new parents, this right here, this guy, is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Every time you think that you have stepped beyond the boundaries of God's amazing grace, he says to you, but you were washed. You were sanctified or set apart. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. When once again you have broken that promise to change the promise that you made last week or maybe you made yesterday, and when you're absolutely convinced that God could never love somebody as shattered as you, Jesus himself says, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Take and drink. This is my blood shed for you. His body was broken so you could be whole. His blood was shed. So listen to this. Really listen to this. You could stop crucifying yourself. That's what the touchstones are all about. God could just tell you that he loves you and he does it all the time. But God also wants you to taste it and to touch it and to feel it and to eat it and to know it. I serve as a missionary in East Asia, as Pastor Bill mentioned. In the last couple of years, since 2019, and even starting before that, countless missionaries have been driven out of our target country in one way or another. So to give you a little context, in 2019, 
the wells, our, our mission group with our partner organization had about 50 missionaries living in our target country. Today, there are 10. Christine and I had to leave without saying goodbye to any of our brothers and sisters. We had to find a new country to live in, the third country, country in seven years. We have struggled with regret, fear, anxiety, guilt, a feeling of a constant feeling of uncertainty. I have been to see the counselor many times, but God has given us these touchstones. Whatever country you are in, whatever you're going through, you are mine, he says. You are washed clean. You have tasted the body and blood of Christ. I am going to carry you through this all. Now, just today, I want to mention one other, one other touchstone. It's a little different than what we're talking about here. But it's the touchstone of God's promises given to you through flesh and blood, brothers and sisters. I say that because this church and many of the brothers and sisters who have visited today to support us have been this kind of touchstone for us. Pastor Bill and I meet maybe every six weeks or so, and that brother speaks to me the promises of God and reminds me that God is in control and that God loves me and that God is walking with me. When we serve as the hands and feet and voice of Jesus Christ, being Christ present with one another, we are being touchstones in those instances also. Now, before we close, I want you to look at verse 12 again. I want you to notice what Samuel said. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. That's kind of a strange statement. Why did Samuel say that? It was a sobering, sobering reminder that more trouble was bound to come. This is not the last time that the Philistines would ever attack, not by a long shot. They would keep attacking for many decades to come. Just because you feel a little bit better today does not mean that tomorrow your enemy will not attack you. For those of you who, like me, struggle with anxiety and some kinds of depression, you know that one day you might feel like, I'm over it, I've got it, I'm done. God's filled me with hope, I'm gonna be fine. And the very next day, you're in the depths of despair. Your accuser will continue to dog you off and on until Jesus takes you home. He will continue to try to weigh you down. The feelings of shame and anxiety will return. If Rome was not built in a day, then a heart of peace is also not built by a single time at the touchstones. That's why you need to keep gathering with God's people. You need to keep walking back to your baptism. You need to keep tasting bread and wine. You need to keep hearing the promises of God and then speaking them to one another. You need to keep touching those cool, solid touchstones to keep you going. And know this, these touchstones will never crumble. When Samuel said, thus far the Lord has helped us, he might as well have said, and the Lord will continue to help us forever. Because that promise is all over the scriptures. If you ever visit Thailand, you can visit Khao Tapu, also known as the James Bond Rock. 
This noble rock stands unmoving in the middle of the ocean. It was featured in The Man with a Golden Gun. Thousands of people visited it every year. Well, they did before COVID. But I'll tell you what, if you want to go see that rock, you better travel there soon because the weather has worn it down and it is about to collapse into the careless sea. The mightiest cliffs will crumble into dust, but your Lord, your rock of help will never fail you. He will never leave you or forsake you. His love will never crack, even under the worst weight of your shame. That's why Isaiah chapter 54 verse 10 says, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. So I'm a missionary. I'm supposed to talk to you about sharing the gospel with the world. But let me tell you this, and this is critical. There is no more powerful witness than God's people standing together on these immovable touchstones. You are the redeemed, forgiven, eternally loved child of God. The world is in absolute turmoil. In my target countries, just like in America, people are filled with shame, they are beaten down, they are hopeless, they are doing everything they can to medicate their pain. And here you are, the people of God, standing together, standing on these immovable touchstones. Live in this hope. And that mission that we all participate in together, that mission here in Franklin, throughout the United States, throughout the world, will move forward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have given us the touchstones of your love. Lord, I pray for someone in here, anyone in here who is really struggling today and has a difficult, difficult time embracing this wonderful truth that they are loved, they are accepted, they are forgiven, um, they are redeemed, they will be in heaven through Christ and his powerful love. Lord, remind them, as you have done verbally many times, that they are forgiven, they are loved, but also take them back to their baptism, as we saw little Oliver being baptized today. Take them back there and remind them that that water was put there with God's word to assure them that they belong to you. Take them to the supper, Lord. Have them taste and see that the Lord is good. Bring around them brothers and sisters who can be the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus Christ to embrace them and to remind them of every promise that you have always kept. Lord, keep us standing firmly on these touchstones so that your mission might move forward in our own hearts and throughout our world. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.